0: So we bought a new scale recently. We found one on like a kind of Mm Craigslist-ish thing. And this one can measure, you know, like water weight, body fat, internal fat, which is kind of cool, um, muscle mass. And then through that kind of calculates like your metabolism throughout the day. Okay. But then at the end it tells you like your metabolic age So, like, how old you are based off of how healthy your body is. Uh, And I don't know what's been going on, but I swear the last three days, it's been adding another year to my life. (laughs) (laughs) I started at 23, and I'm, like, at 25 now. Have you just been smoking a lot of cigarettes the last three days? (laughs) I don't know what I—how could I lose metabolism, like, ability (laughs) over a few days? I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh its baseline was,
1: you know, maybe you were like surfing and skating a bunch and then you didn't do anything and it was like, Oh, I guess he just finished exercising for the rest of his life.
0: Yeah, I get it was probably <laughs> I used it right after building some IKEA furniture. we rearranging some things. <laughs> so uh, in order so to yeah.
1: add years to your life you have to build IKEA furniture every day <laughs> in order to <laughs> That's the get, key get you a young metabolism. Aren't the Swedes quite healthy? Yeah, I, th- I think so. <laughs> that must be Matt Brunig's poll. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's because of the furniture building, not the universal health care. What's never ending to find the beginning that came everything? Like kids with Dakotas, discover the world.
0: I, oh, my God. I saw a tweet. Oh, no, it was a commercial. Uh, you know Lilly, like the, the pharmaceutical company? Okay. Um, a big pharmaceutical company. And they had a commercial um, that's been playing on Hulu because they're Olympic partners, of course. Uh, and they were saying um, medicine works no matter if it's in a rich body or a poor body. It works just as well in 90210 as it does in, like, I don't know, give some other zip code that I'm not familiar as with. As it does in Skid Row. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't care about the color of your skin, uh, which that last one, uh, no, it doesn't care about the color of your skin, but there are genetic, you know, differences on some things that right, weren't right. tested for. But also, if you're, if you're skipping, like, every other meal because you can't afford it because you're poor <laughs> i think the medicine may not work that well yeah 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 <laughs> so or, or, maybe, or or the diseases might find a uh find a better host to to destroy <laughs> than... it's just such a like tone deaf kind of commercial yeah. it's like they they want to sound altruistic because they're a pharmaceutical company we make medicine for everyone right uh at a premium price. Right. You know,
1: <laughs> insulin, you got to pay for that shit. Yeah. <clears throat> so how does your scale work? Does it? Do you stand on, like, little electronic pads, and it sends, like, an electrical current up through the bottom of your feet, your, like, yeah. bare feet or something, and it can tell the water content and fat content from that?
0: Yeah, it sends a tiny—it's, like, uh, four metal pads that you stand on I mean, it's they're like embedded in the scale mm-hmm. um you can find these like they're they're fairly common now, but uh, yeah, you just stand on like those things and it sends a small electrical pulse. I've read that it's you know obviously it's not uh as accurate as like you know dying and then having an autopsy or something <laughs> um, but it's like measures the lower half of your body, I guess, and then based off of that kind of calculates things there's some. Uh, when Miho was, uh, interning in Dallas, like, in 2011, we went to some golf tournament that was, I don't know what it was, So maybe in Fort Worth, I don't know. That would be, it was, uh,
1: the, uh, I can't think of golf right now. It's Colonial? too early in the morning. Yeah, the Colonial's the Fort Worth one.
0: Does it cost money to get into? Because I feel like this one was free.
1: Uh, It does cost money, but they do give out a lot of passes.
0: Okay. Maybe that was it. Um, But we ended up going to that, and they had one front. It was like a GE tent, and they had one of those scales that you also stuck your hands into like some mittens that had some electrodes. So it was supposed to measure your entire body. Suffice it to say, um, my metabolism has maintained since about then yeah like it is still over eighteen hundred calories a day that is just on resting just metabolism. your resting burn rate, which is so weird, yeah, uh, I feel like I put on weight when I do things, but I guess I don't know <laughs> it's it's just all that jerking off, <laughs> certainly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the Ikea furniture. <laughs> yeah, That yeah, Allen yeah, wrench, IKEA, yeah. you, it's so short, you really got to <laughs> put your shoulder into it. Otherwise, you're going to have some calluses on the palm of your hand.
1: Although I think you accidentally stumbled across a million-dollar idea, uh, if we could come up with living autopsies. Like, you can survive your autopsy, like a survivable autopsy that people can get. We're definitely the two guys to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it just makes me think of the Futurama episode where they accidentally go back in time, and they go back to Roswell when the uh, you know the whole Roswell incident happens, and uh, Doctor Zoidberg gets like. Uh, autopsied because they think he's the alien from the original roswell crash oh but of course he's you know like a lobster person so he's got like seven hearts and everything and they keep pulling (laughs) these organs out and he's still alive talking
0: about (laughs) (laughs) him. i forgot about that show that's the one with the dead dog or no no dead Um, dog yeah the main character's dog like, oh. where it's all sad. Oh, They're yeah. Sad Fry's,
1: Fry's dog dies. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, he got frozen. And then, right. And the dog was just waiting and waiting and waiting for him to come home. And it never came. And he never came home. Mm hmm. And the whole family, like, didn't give a crap about the
0: dog. Yeah. Yeah. That was a sad episode. Mm hmm. Well, now that we've brought everybody down, let's bring everybody up with Right some back up. Native American history. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I went to Montana last weekend, and a big group of guys, fun trip, everybody had a great time. Uh, If you listen to the ticket, Jake talked about it for two segments on Tuesday, it's on the top ten if you want to hear all the great details of the shenanigans that went down there. Um, Big highlight of the trip, you know, uh, just sightseeing-wise, was going to Yellowstone, first time I've ever been to Yellowstone. Uh, Always wanted to go. uh, Really awesome. It's hard to put into words, like, the vastness of it all. Uh, And just, like, the... Very similar to uh, that first, like, viewing of of the late night sky when you're a kid. Just the feeling of insignificance that you get when you're in something that's, like, so huge. Um, And obviously, like, uh, still... Uh, preserved in a way that hasn't been destroyed by modern humans um, it's it's pretty remarkable and there's just when you're just constantly surrounded by all these geothermal features and the steam coming out of the ground and like there's little pools just like little geothermal pools like all over the place that uh, even like Jake stuck his hand down in one for a second just to see <laughs> even though they all are like don't touch them um, but you know, the water in those things is like 120 to 140 degrees, but it's really not about the temperature so much as like the acidic content of what's in that water. And, uh, you know, if you stay into it in it very long, uh, you'll, there'll be nothing left of, of your body, <laughs>
2: <Oops. clears
1: throat> but that, so, you know, you're walking around and everyone's all first surprised when we get off the bus, like, huh, smells like rotten eggs. And you're like. Yeah, it's <laughs> the, <laughs> sulfur dioxide's gonna kind of do that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're surrounded by a big farting earth butthole. <laughs> that's that's all underneath the ground beneath us. Um, so so it's it's just really cool. But just to understand, like, to even get to wrap your head around the forces and everything that's going on underneath the surface of the ground as you're walking around is it's pretty crazy. Um, and also just like we've talked about geologic time and like how long things take especially in like plate tectonics and stuff like that and because of uh, the volcanic nature of the area like the mountains that, sur- that are the extension of the Rocky Mountains that go around Yellowstone or like kind of cut through Yellowstone the Grand Tetons those are only 10 million years old like Hmm. it's the youngest mountains of the rocky mountains right there and um so and they like even though they have been eroded by like some of the glaciers and things like the rest of the rocky mountains have over year over the years you're seeing like what the rest of the rocky mountains used to look like you know millions of years ago before the majority of the rocky mountains that were part of the continental divide like Smashing up against each other formed, and those were like big, tall Matterhorn peaks, but then over time, they've all eroded, and they've lost like a third to two-thirds of their height throughout most of the Rocky Mountains, but not the Grand Tetons, because they're so young. Like, they've barely had any of the glaciation and erosion happen, so it's really weird one like you're like man this must have taken so long to form like all these amazing majestic features all around here and but two it's like the youngest geological features <laughs> on the continent <laughs> at the same time they're like the toddlers of the fucking mountains
0: yeah like the the forestry and everything you can imagine like wow this has been this way for you know as long as the earth has been around mm-hmm. but you know, if you just look at Chernobyl, forests, like, are very quick to develop. Oh, yeah.
1: And the the forestry is interesting there, too, because of the geothermal features that are going on underneath. Like, the the magma, the lava plumes underneath the ground are moving all the time, which means, like, the trapped pockets of water and depending on if it's, like... Sulfuric, uh, dio- sulfur dioxide that's being released or different, uh, different other acidic compounds or alkaline compounds are being released into that water from the magma chambers that are beneath it. Those are moving around underground all the time under the park. So there'll be like a section of forest that looks fine, but then there'll just be like a patch of it that's all like calcified ground and all dead. Because just like, you know, in the last decade, like a portion of underground moisture that has that acidic content from the geothermal features has moved under the root system of those trees. And now all of a sudden, like the ground looks like hard white calcium and like the trees are all dead in that in that little section. But those move did around you, all over
0: the park. Did you like post one of these pictures because it looked like like salt beds or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. I posted one of those pictures where it's like, um, it was a cliffside where uh, just trickling water is coming out of like a geothermal pool that's at the top of the hill, and so it sort of trickles down the hill. And it makes, just like if you were in a cave, like uh, stalactites form as they drip down off of the rock features, and then this like, these calcified mineral things form on top. And it's weird how you know there's these little pools, but I guess because the the minerals inside the pools lap up against the edges of other pools that have slightly different mineral content, so then those things like bump up into each other. The tool edges of the pools do and they build these like mineral dams between each other. Like they grow these structures that are almost like walls that grow vertically inside of what used to be little pools and so when you look down it's almost like someone engineered a bunch of walls you know around these like like built actual dams or something but it's not it's it's like the mineral content of the different waters that combine to make these little dam structures
0: sounds like the expanse
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) so have Um, you ever been up there have you ever been to yellowstone or anything
0: no, I was trying to think of any national park I'd ever been to. Never been to Yellowstone. I've been to the Grand Canyon. That's a national park, right? Yeah, that's
1: a grand that's in that's one.
0: Uh, Is I can't Joshua remember.
1: Tree, a national park? Ooh. Yeah. It, either it's either a state, a state or, or national. a national
0: park, yeah. Uh And you're not too far remember.
1: from Yosemite if you ever went way up to northern California.
0: Yeah, I want to touch on Yosemite in a second, actually, because um, I've never been there. But I did go to uh, after. So when I was a real little kid, uh, back when I was, you know, over the phase of I want to be a an astronaut and a fire fireman, firefighter, <laughs> but, um, a space, a space
1: firefighter.
0: Yeah, they've, they have them, right? They're yeah. going to need them. Um, fire in space
1: is really weird. You got to like do a whole whole different host of things to put out fire in space.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was real fixated on becoming a vet. And for a time, probably after a good bout of two or three back-to-backs uh, of watching the well-researched documentary Balto, <laughs> I probably, I wanted to become a vet for like the Iditarod dogs. Okay. Um, you know, you know me, I got to be niche. So <laughs> that was a something I wanted to do when I was a real little kid, like, you know, eight or nine years old. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, uh, my mom held on to that. And then whenever I graduated high school, she's like, surprise, I got us a cruise to Alaska for your graduation. <laughs> <laughs> and that dream had been long gone. Uh <laughs> you know a nice she's very like, nice she's like i remember gesture. when you were 10 yes uh <laughs> she wishes i was still 10 um probably don't all and, moms don't doesn't every mom kind of <laughs> wish that you just never aged above 9 or 10 years old i can't imagine that cuz i'm I got a difficult enough time with kids that, uh, (laughs) if we ever have kids, it's going to be hurry up and be 25 already. (laughs) Can we have a conversation please? I just talk to kids the way I do adults is, is my thing. So we went to Alaska. Um, the, I was, me and my sister were like, you know, the youngest people on the cruise obviously by like decades. Um, it's an old person cruise. Okay. Uh, I won $800 at bingo. Uh, (laughs) But we did go to like some, I think there are national parks up there too, yeah, like, yeah. like some glacier kind of things. Uh, so that was kind of cool. But it's, it's odd up there because it's not, you know, the idea of the national park is for obviously some inspiration and just for nature to be somewhat preserved, even though a nature preserve does exist Mm-hmm. In theory. Um, but there's like not much recreation you can do out there, you know? Yeah. We went during the summer and the it's it's warm out, obviously, global warming, but it's still pretty cold. Like you can't do a whole lot. So hearing about Yellowstone, how the entire thing, like you can do stuff and then in the winter, I guess people do try and ski there.
1: Yeah, I guess. Like I mean it's it snows in like June and then it starts yeah. snowing again at the end of August <laughs> I, we were it's up there wild. and it was like uh when we got out of the van it was like 49 degrees and misty <laughs> in the middle of August so it's not like uh everyone's like wearing you know their puffy jackets and <laughs> and toboggans and everything like it's the middle of winter um yeah I can't imagine. And and watching just some documentaries and things on like uh, what the what happens with the wildlife during the really harsh winters up there, like the whole thing is just buried in feet and feet of snow. <laughs> like the, I can't imagine they're getting like a ton of a uh, a ton of visitors in the
0: in the dead of winter. Do they have hot springs that you can bathe in there? They used or do they to. Do not have any? Um, and but I, every
1: one that we went by is not like it's all roped off. I, I don't think they allow people to go into them anymore, like that that you can in like uh, Arkansas or uh, the ones in New Mexico or any of that. I think they used to allow people to do that, but they don't anymore.
0: Because that's one thing that uh, is really cool about Japan is all the natural hot springs but there are some that you can as a human go to and use that monkeys also use.
1: Oh, really?
0: That's yeah, cool. so there's and it's really cool seeing the monkeys cuz it's, you know, snowing a ton out there, very cold in some areas. So they all just hop in the hot spring and they're just like hanging out by the water and like kind of throwing it on themselves and mm-hmm. stuff. Um uh, very cool to see monkeys uh, you know, taking taking a vacation. I would be kind of nervous just
1: because even like the little ones that are, you know, maybe five feet in diameter, those can be like a hundred feet deep, Jeez, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. so I'd, I'd be kind of nervous because if you like got into a little trouble, you jumped in and didn't realize it was as hot as it was going to be or <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little too acidic <laughs> and then you're trying to <laughs> get back out, but it's just super deep. Um, I think the... yeah.
0: In, like, Japan, I'm pretty sure they have – they, like, build little uh, plumbing from the natural – part. there are some natural ones that are okay to be in. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure they build some plumbing to, you know, cool off the water some and just make sure it's in a man-made area. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we did do hot springs once. That was another – it was a weird trip uh, on my mom's side again. My sister and I came home from school one day and they were just like, pack your bags, we're going on a trip. And I thought, great, like they were loaning money from the mafia. Like yeah. <laughs> somebody's coming to kill us. Your uh, your family is Ozark all of a sudden. <laughs> and they didn't tell us where we were going, and then we just showed up in Arkansas and they're like, This is it. And they took us to some hot springs probably hot springs yeah. Arkansas that was the um, ad
1: on the commercial was uh wake me up in beautiful hot springs Arkansas like surprise me with a vacation
0: and just wake me up when we get to hot springs you know that's probably what they thought they were doing <laughs> uh instead we were just like what the hell is going on <laughs> um and they hate Bill Clinton so it was very odd that they chose like his hometown <laughs> uh Oof. So, yeah, that but that's, like, a, some areas, because I was looking up, like, some of the history. Not that we have to do all the history now. There's plenty of science. Uh, but the first attempts at, like, actually U.S.-controlled protected land, <laughs> the first attempt was the Hot Springs, like, act. <laughs> yeah. To protect hot springs in Arkansas and, you know, adjoining regions or whatever. Which I found very odd. Like, obviously, hot springs are nice. I'm not a big fan because you stay hot afterwards. But weird, right? Kind <laughs> yeah, of. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, it, there's a whole lot of weird stuff in the history, too, just because putting yourself in the mindset of, uh, you know, it, On Origin of the Species isn't really even published yet yeah people are like seeing all these geothermal features for like the first time and they're like oh wow look look at all this stuff that god did six thousand years ago (laughs) type of thing and it's like there's a hard uh it's i don't know it's it has to be like a really weird just time of under being a natural of if you're a naturalist but you have like no concept of Really like the geologic time of things or evolution or anything yet. You just really want to just like stick your feet in the grass and appreciate nature and have that sort of awe inspiring moment as you look at some grand vista. Like that, that's kind of the limited, the uh, the very uh, thorough uh, element of naturalism at the point in time in, in history. So it's just like, okay, cool, we want to appreciate these uh, these natural features, but we don't really, like, the motivations for doing it is all weird, and, you know, no one really wants to, like, investigate why they're happening. It's more just, like, to go and, like, almost have, like, spiritual awakenings at them. It's it's a very strange time.
0: Yeah, it's... I think I saw a british documentary talking about it. I actually have it in my notes because it's it's a totally bs documentary on yeah. like everything with Yellowstone. Um but the type, the subtitle of it is uh, God's Canvas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that so we're we're driving through Yellowstone and we're seeing all these great features and we're seeing bison and elk and you know all the cool stuff one one interesting thing um and i'm not sure if it's just because it's the pro- proximity to the northwest but out of all of the different nationalities of tourists there cuz there's people from like all over the world you're hearing like lots of different languages when you're walking around the park, especially when you're, like, at Old Faithful and there's thousands of people, like, sitting around these stands waiting for the geyser to go off. You're hearing, like, all these different families, different languages and stuff. But I feel like the predominant one, second to English, was Japanese. Like, the most of the international tourists, at least that were in the park at the time when we were there, it seemed like most, like they the demographic was skewed towards uh, Japanese tourists above like the other nationalities which is kind of isn't it one
0: of the only few countries that can come in right now
1: that might be it too yeah that might be it too
0: I feel like that's probably it but also right now is still I think summertime like summer vacation time uh but yeah it's that's kind of interesting because it's not a whole lot to do there, I don't know. maybe it's people getting out of the city and wanting to do a totally different thing mm-hmm. um I'm kind of like a s i I enjoy cities, so it is I don't know if I would choose to go to Yellowstone. <laughs> it sounds very cool uh but I don't know i that's the thing oh that's one thing that I, when you were talking about like the small like mud pits and stuff um how, for you personally, <laughs> uh, do you enjoy seeing just, just the mud pit or do you need to see like the tourist attraction, biggest one in the park?
1: Um, I just need to see the mud pit. Like, uh, we stopped That's at a couple places, like, like the, you know, the, the big name spots, the, uh, great prismatic and, uh, and right, yeah. uh, all the, so, and you know, those are pretty accessible, but like off of the little roads that you're driving on, you know, off of to the side of the road is everything that you could possibly want to see. Even if you don't want to, like, park in the big parking area where everyone parks and walk on the big paved trail to get to the big attractions, you can see the exact same, like, processes going on on a smaller scale if you just, like, take two steps off the side of the road, you know, they're right there. Uh, You don't have to, like, only go on the guided trail or anything like that. So that's pretty cool. It makes it very accessible. Like the the best bison uh, experience we had was when we stopped to take a piss and there was one just laying like 10 yards behind in the grass behind the chemical toilet. So we were all like waiting in line for the chemical toilet. And we we're like, oh shit, there's like a, <laughs> a giant animal like laying in the grass because at first it kind of seemed like it was a rock. I mean, at least to me, it was like just a big boulder or something that was laying, and then everyone realized, "Oh, that's a that's a giant bison laying right there."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Very> well, close. <laughs> and you still thought there were three hundred plus bison attacks a year. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> what is a chemical toilet? Uh, it's you know, like a porta potty.
1: But um, it's it's a big hole that's dug in the ground and they put sort of a more permanent like porta potty structure on top of that hole. And then inside that hole, they have uh, different chemicals inside the pit that break down waste and the ammonia and everything inside of piss and stuff like that.
0: Okay, so a good place to store a dead body or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you okay. had to
1: hold your breath inside of it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or <deep>. you <laughs> would, like, pass out from, like, the ammonia. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you know, years of people using this chemical toilet, but yeah.
0: God. Uh, okay, so I'm trying to now compare to Joshua Tree, because that was the cool thing about Joshua Tree is throughout the day, like, the location of the sun would start to highlight different plants that were in the area like there's my probably my favorite type of plant that was there that i saw was the glowing cactus and it's just at certain times of day almost like neon needles because the sun just hits it at a lower angle and it just brightens up just you know fields of cacti um, so were there kind of, I don't know, I guess if you're around like calcified ground, there's not many plants, but were you seeing foresty areas? Yeah. And stuff? If,
1: if anything, it's kind of interesting, like the diversity of the plant life, it was not nearly as diverse as maybe I would have anticipated going in. And I think there's probably pretty obvious reasons for that after being there. But like, uh, I learned that, eighty percent of the trees in there are all these log or lodge pole pines, these really tall pine trees that barely grow any branches on them, so it kind of looks like a telephone pole with a with a little bitty Christmas tree on top of a telephone pole, but the whole thing is the tree. But they're the ones we talked about, I don't know, a few episodes ago that have these really waxy, waxy covered pine cones and the seeds, those protect the seeds in the event of a forest fire. And then when they get hot enough, they kind of pop like popcorn and all the seeds spread out. So there's a lot of fires that happen there all the time, just natural fires in the forest. And because pretty much the forests are all made up of this one type of tree that it does really well with fire, but also it has like a very sort of shallow root base. So even though the ground is like in some areas incredibly hard, because um, you see these things growing on like up one to three slopes on the sides of mountains that just look like it's rock, like there's no topsoil or anything to even like have roots in and they're there. But then around them, there'll be like 50 that fell down because they got too just a little bit too tall and then they fell. They fell over like So it looks like a bunch of people have come through like loggers with chainsaws and chopped thousands of trees down at the base but that's not what's going on it's just that the they grow as long as they can they get really tall and then they topple over because the root bases are really shallow and also the the like we talked about the temperature of the ground and things is constantly changing so there are also some like i guess the other like predominant diversity is the different kind of grasses that are all around there's a lot of different wild grasses and there is an interesting thing where these there's a lot of grasses that are growing around these hydrothermal areas in the park and they shouldn't survive there because the ground even just the ground temperature where the roots of these grasses are can be like 140 degrees in the soil um but they have evolved a very um close relationship with a specific fungus and a specific virus inside of the plant and it's been the same virus that has been passed down through the seeds of these grasses that helps it protect against be- the heat of the ground. But then there's a fungus because of the virus that kind of shields all of the roots of those these specific grasses to help them be robust and protect them from these very harsh temperature conditions so the grasses thrive but it's because of this very specific relationship that only exists in Yellowstone between this specific grass a specific virus and a specific fungus
0: that's pretty cool uh, I love I love that kind of weird I mean as as we started the podcast talking about how viruses are on the border of like even just living Mm -hmm. like as far as science is concerned it's crazy that it requires this relationship that this thing that's just like a protein capsule around some genetic material yeah (laughs) uh it's wild and the the
1: the fact that it can be an inherited like the plant not that the plant understood but because of their co-evolution together the virus did not you know overtake all the cells of the plant and destroy the host it would and it stayed in like a way that the host didn't really care about it or and to the extent that the host was like oh this could actually be beneficial and then to actually have the virus not just be a thing that infected a singular plant but it then got into the seed and the reproduction of the plant, so that that virus gets carried on every single time the plant reproduces. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. But it's just that one thing where you're like, all we ever really talk about is like, the pathological nature and the destructive nature of viruses. Like, that's the only thing we ever really care about as humans is like, if a virus makes us sick. Whereas like, that's maybe like, you know, the single digit percentages of viruses, like most all viruses are like either beneficial or harmless. They, you know, they don't do anything to us. They, they, a lot of them actually help us. Um, so it just shows like, especially with, uh, the pandemic and everything, how sort of myopic our focus is on what a virus is and, uh, like what it does to all living organisms. We, we only think of it in this very one narrow lane about it being like a pathogen. We don't think about it in any other way when that's the way we shouldn't, the pathogen should be the outlier.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's sort of like the lens credence so much more to evolution that the, If the virus did kill off or infect all of the cells and then kill off the plant, then that plant's just dead, so that virus doesn't really pass. I saw an article this morning talking about how uh, humans have, or a large percentage of humans, I didn't read the article uh, because, you know, I'm a millennial, (laughs) um, said that most people are starting to have or they're noticing in most people a new artery, um, and it's like shows we're still evolving. It's like yeah, of, of yeah. Um, no, but no, no. Uh, when
1: we became aware of it, everyone ev- all evolution stopped
0: because we became aware of it. <laughs> it's, uh, maybe, uh, but it just it's one of those things that I'm sure people will because this looked like kind of a pop science-y article. Yeah, maybe it's not even real. I don't know. Uh, but if that did happen, a lot of people will look at that and be like, well, what's? why are people evolving this? And then some pseudoscientists will be like, well, it's probably because we need blah, blah, like giving a reason for why it develops. Yeah. But no, it, it those things just develop. And then if it were something that gave people more success at surviving and then people... Because we have some level of cognition on these things now, enjoyed that as a trait and decided based off of that trait to reproduce, then, you know, we start evolving more in this pattern. Right now, it's just random. It's kind of like this virus. It's totally random that it happens to infect, like, the seed, but not in a way that destroys the early germination. mm mm-hmm. Uh, So that's, it's kind of cool that the virus is, it, it evolves into a way that it, it sticks around without, you know, becoming like it, it, it couch surfs, (laughs) but, you know, cleans up the dishes. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It does. It doesn't outstay its or it, it stays so, uh,
1: so indiscriminate as as an as an unexpected house guest that you never really care about asking it to leave
0: <laughs> right yeah
1: that's very cool so yeah there's just lots of stuff like that but then driving through you know kind of my when you see these like grand just massively wide pristine valleys And because of the nature of like the caldera of the super volcano and as it's, you know, moving very similar to the islands in Hawaii. We talked about this back in the plate tectonics episode. But the uh, you have these huge valleys and they're completely, you know, uh, bordered by these huge cliffs that just go vertically straight up. There's no foothills, there's no like gradual like go up into the mountains. It's like flat valley with a river in the middle and then all of a sudden sheer cliffs to mountains. Like there's no like in between stage. Um so when you look at it you're like wow, like my imagination immediately was like man, you know, 5000 years ago I bet you these valleys are populated with like nomadic people and everything. And so I was asking the guys on the bus, I was like, uh, do you guys know if there's like a protected part of the park that is st- considered a native American reservation land or cause there's, n- when you go, when you enter the park, like, uh, you know, there's like trail heads and things like that, that have like the shape of arrowheads on them and things like that. But there's no like, uh, I, you know, going, being even in Texas, you know, going, um, going places like there's, uh, usually in the visitor center and at the front, there's a big, like, uh, dioramas and things of like the native American presence in this area at the time. This is where like the tribes were, they were in different areas and, there's, like, nothing of that in Yellowstone. Nope. <laughs> so it was really weird. Like, it's almost like uh, they don't – it's – I don't know if it's – there's this this idea of you're going there and you're seeing, like, pristine nature, like, untouched by modern human hands. But the there's also this implication that's like – Uh, This is like the Garden of Eden before humans. Like this is the last chance you'll get to see a place that that no human being has ever like messed with before, and that's just simply not accurate. (laughs) There's no way that could be accurate because this seems like a pretty awesome place. I imagine like all of the you know early natives in America probably hung out here. They they discovered it. You know I'm sure that they all went and saw it just like people were hanging out in the fucking Serengeti and shit. So I don't know that that, that was always, that was just going through my mind while we were there. And so I started looking up some stuff on it and, um, uh, yeah, come to believe it. Uh, America's terrible history with uh, native populations really uh, has a black eye with uh, Yellowstone as well. You you might you might be surprised to find out we did some pretty <laughs> yeah. horrible things to some natives in the Yellowstone area.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, it's so like jumping to jumping ahead a little bit uh, to when I say modern day here, I I mean like last 5 years. Right. <laughs> um there are 27 associated tribes with Yellowstone as in so the region of Yellowstone was the region that's map you know marked off for the park is not the only region like like that whole kind of area is sort of like this, you know, with some of the biodiversity and everything. Mm-hmm. But the region that's the park Was frequently visited by 20 these 27 different Native American tribes. And I need to preface this by saying, like, I am not a Native American historian, Uh, I don't know like hardly anything (laughs) compared to people who actually study this stuff. I just in the back of my mind, I was like, wait a minute. Uh, I'm sure there were native people that were living around this area. I wonder what went on there. And then that was the only thing I could research for this entire episode. Right, because that's, it was that's kind of wild. what happened
1: to me when I was up there. I was first, you know, really excited about all the geology and uh, chemistry and mineral stuff that was going on. But yeah. the 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 itch that I could not you know scratch <laughs> yep, the entire yep. time I was there was just thinking about this uh, this was there like a genocide? I don't know. I, maybe this seems like uh, seems I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine there weren't like people going back tens of thousands of years that were u- utilizing this place for resources. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean this this falls so in line with like our show I feel because it's (laughs) this just shows the politics of science like geology and whatnot but it's there's 27 different tribes and I believe 26 of them would just pass through the area on like kind of you know I don't know is migratory patterns Uh, I think it's
1: more seasonal hunter-gathering yeah there we go hunter-gathering you would have different areas you know, maybe not just Yellowstone, but like the definition of hunter-gatherers all over the globe is that they're not necessarily nomadic. They just have like a place for the spring season, a place for the summer season, a place for the fall, and a place for the winter. And they know where those resources are. So they kind of rotate amongst those locations.
0: And as you were saying, uh, the Yellowstone area is extremely harsh during the winter. Yeah. So there's only one known tribe. uh, I forget the name, but they they they're also commonly referred to as the sheep eaters because Mm -hmm. they were like people that ate sheep. They were people that ate, uh, I think, bison. So they were specifically called like the bison eaters and stuff. Very probably um, uh, Western naming structures for these. Yeah, yeah,
1: but like there were areas of the park where you could stay year round because there was such a high density of bighorn sheep that if you wanted to just hunt them all year round even in the harshest parts of the winter you could and that's uh, the the cool thing on that too is that they had some of the very early developments of kind of compound bows because they would use the horn the giant horns of the bighorn sheep and they would soak them in the uh, geothermal pools of, like, 140-degree water so they would become malleable, and then they would curve them into the shape of, like, a recumbent compound bow, not just, like, the traditional, like, bow and arrow, you know, so it would have, like, an extra recoil because it has an extra curve at the top and the bottom. And that's their bows would be made out of these horns that they shaped through the hot pools of water. So it was like... Uh, not just are we using the sheep to uh to survive, we're using their horns to kill more of them and we're using the geothermal pools to shape those horns into the most powerful bows that have anyone's ever seen.
0: Yeah, it's it's got a really that's the thing that's so insane about Yellowstone is uh not only is there misinformation that's been perpetuated for like hundreds of years about the region, but it it was used in such cool different ways and has been used for like 11,000 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, by just just from the archaeologic record. Like probably
1: right. way many years, you know, you know 100,000 years before that people were there, but like the archeological finds go all the way back to 11,000 years just from things that they found of obsidian tips where people are making spear tips and arrow tips because... There's a huge obsidian cliff in Yellowstone because obsidian is a volcanic glass. So when a huge volcanic eruption happens and it cools rapidly, the magma cools rapidly, it turns into this glass, and that was incredibly prized by natives all over America, and uh, the like number one source where there's still just gobs of it, more than you could ever use in you know, many generations' lifetimes is located in Yellowstone. It can also... The the cool thing about it is that it, like, naturally, as you, like, cleave off the edges of it and you make sharp edges around the sides, be, those um, shards that you chip away to make sharp edges naturally create edges that are, like, sharper than razor blades that we can manufacture today.
0: Yeah, they're ten times sharper than razor blades.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so this stuff wasn't just used by the people in that region to just hunt bighorn sheep in that region. Like they found obsidian that they can, um, using geology, know that it originated from Yellowstone park. They found that stuff as far West as like the Mississippi river Valley, far north as up in way up north in canada way around the great lakes a bunch of tribes had it which means that either tribes were migrating all the way from those distances to yellowstone to get those resources or there was a vast amount of trade between tribes like the tribes that did go to yellowstone to get these resources would then trade with these other tribes because they wanted those pieces of obsidian because it was such a valuable tool
0: yeah yeah and there's been other arrowheads that were found from like the Clovis people mm-hmm. that existed in like, uh, 92, 9,200 BCE, uh, and only lasted for like around a thousand years, but originated in Siberia and around the time that <clears throat> they would have come to North America was when there was the land bridge between Asia and North America, mm-hmm. uh, and they, These people hunted, like, mammoths and a type of bison that uh, they said is, like, two times as large as the bison that now exists. Which,
1: like, the one that we saw was... You know, it' not much smaller, but like a, maybe the size of like a Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> it's so huge, like it's so big. <laughs> so I can't imagine the 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 more prehistoric bison that we're walking around with mammoths. Like I saw a couple mammoth, you know, um, skeletons at the Field Museum in Chicago a couple months ago, and they're just they're so massive, like. I can't imagine being on the the hunt, the mammoth hunt. You know, with like five other guys, and we've got we've just got spears with obsidian tips, and we're gonna we're gonna take down this thing. It just seems like For like
0: days. Yeah, you're just following it, stabbing it repeatedly. And not
1: only that, but like uh, the evidence that. The tribes and native people that that were either migrating up there for hunting season or whatever, one of the big things they were hunting was bears, and like giant grizzly bears, like bigger than the grizzlies that are there now. And that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Like there's elk, there's lots of other stuff you could eat. <laughs> but obviously the bear is like some, you know, they talked about it in this uh, Smithsonian article about maybe it's you know that's the thing that you get all the uh young teenage early 20s men want to do to like prove themselves cuz they're the only ones stupid enough to do that <laughs> like the, the 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 that same feature of humanity like still exists today you know it was back then and it is now like just get a bunch of young males and they'll they're risk averse enough to do some insane shit
0: yeah <laughs> it reminds me i coincidentally started watching the New FX show from the Taika Waititi joint. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to watch.
1: I haven't started. I want to watch it.
0: (laughs) I don't want to spoil too much, but I have to say, like the the funniest part in the first episode. It's it's a good show so far. I've only seen like two and a half episodes. Uh, Good enough compared to everything else that comes out. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I this is the podcast that hates the masked dancer. Uh, so as opposed to another one on this station. Um, but the my favorite part is like this: the kid essentially kind of has like a moment where he's passed out or something and kind of has like a spiritual connection with this guy. It's in the trailer, but he's a person dressed in like full kind of, I guess, warrior kit or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know how accurate the... It seems well done because uh, Taika himself, I believe, is like part Aborigines, um, so I feel like he would research well enough into what the culture is actually like in the region. Uh, but the it's like this guy that comes and he's like, "Oh, are you like, you know, a director of Warriors or whatever?" He's like, "Just I'm. I don't really have a name. I'm more like." say the unknown warrior is like but I was at little bighorn yeah I came over a hill I saw custer this yellow hair fuck I hated that guy (laughs) (laughs) it's just like so funny because that's probably how people felt around this time that we're talking about oh yeah like it's so funny that I mean because you can yeah of course you would hate these people that are driving your people out yeah, C- um,
1: Custer's one of the one of the dudes that you know before Little Bighorn. He's trolling around this area, and um, it's like people that were with Custer that you know later inform the uh, the U.S. government on different methods of uh, of clearing out the Indians on what we just de- determined is a national park that. Uh, native Americans aren't allowed to be in.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty wild that these these native tribes that were <clears throat> located, you know, all over Montana, um, very far east into like South Dakota, and then in Wyoming, Idaho, even up in like the kind of northeast of Washington State and stuff. So there's a lot of you know following animals or even traveling during the summer to, like, get obsidian Mm -hmm.
2: uh,
0: in this region. And what's insane to me is I was looking up this information thinking, okay, it's 2021. The Yellowstone website surely recognizes the... (laughs) I mean there's twenty seven associated tribes yeah. with the park. It at least like let's talk about the crow. Like that's a pretty big one. Like, yeah. We yeah. Could at least talk about them. <laughs> tells some kind of story and no, there's like nothing on the website. It it will tell you very proudly, and this is like feels like, you know, people I grew up with in Texas who are you know, oh, I'm part Cherokee. It's like, all right, you're you're in the thousandth yeah. of percentage, maybe. You no,
1: know, no. My my grandma told me that uh, that uh, her great aunt was uh, kidnapped by the Cherokee, and then they had a right. baby, mm-hmm. and then I was the descendant of that baby.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> very very possible. Um, but the it's they'll tell you how proud they are that oh, this region. We've recently discovered it was not untouched by man. Uh, Native people have been living here for eleven thousand years, and they're—it's—you know—it feels like New Mexico at times mm-hmm. and stuff. Although New Mexico feels like it's preserved some of the culture a little bit better. Yeah, but they're like proud to tell you about this, and then you're like, "Well, what happened to them?" Oh, literally says on the website they moved to Oklahoma. <laughs> They were just like, Oh wow, no one ever told me about Oklahoma. Man, the real estate looks great. <laughs> right. It's it's insane. And then the stuff you even try to look up to, if you type in anything in association with Yellowstone, Yellowstone links will be will cover the entire first page, but none of them have information. Yeah. That is useful. You have to really dig to find like like that Smithsonian article's a really good one. Mm-hmm um and that one's in the notes but it's it's hard to find information that actually depicts what happened and we can imagine it was bad but it was probably way worse than that like there's a uh, prominent features in the park like the i don't know how to pronounce it but it's like the Doan Mount Doan mm-hmm. um and in 2016, an executive committee of the Blackfoot Nation, which is a tribe that was associated there, remember, 2016, the, the park only recently decided to start consulting Native people that were associated with it. Like, the first tribe to come out and be associated uh, happened in 1996. Yeah. So, you can imagine, like, when were they even trying to talk to these people so this Mount Doan is named after uh, Gustavius Doan, which right off the bat, horrible first name. <laughs> um, but he was a military leader that uh, led the massacre of the Marius tribe. And this tribe had already been like beaten in battle and were suffering from smallpox. And a group of mostly women and children because they had already lost these battles against his military were just trying to survive. And he just ordered his entire military to kill hundreds of them. Still, the mountain is still named that because the uh, Blackfoot nation asked Yellowstone, please rename it to first people's mountain. And they said, Ooh, we don't really do that. That's the USGS. Uh, You got to ask them. Uh, so, of course, they have reached out to the USGS, who has not even put out a statement on it. Um, so that's been five years in the making. The other one is the Hayden Valley. Ah, oh, yes. And Ferdinand Hayden, another horrible first name, um, he advocated strongly for the extermination of Native Americans, uh, like, would write about how... We should exterminate them, um, and said he was proud of that Marius massacre mm-hmm. that the uh, Gustavius um, perpetrated. But, but he had and a good was, reason. Like, saying, he was like saying, we uh, need to do that.
1: He's, he's like, uh, but, but we have to because I my vision for Yellowstone is that it's a place for people to come and uh, really just enjoy nature. And I don't think they'll be able to do that if there's a bunch of natives around. Right. I I want to preserve nature by eliminating the native people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And what's funny, side road, is that, like, when it was even still just after it was made a national park people were just like chopping down trees to throw in the geysers to watch it like shoot Right, right, yeah up. there's like, like <laughs> yeah
1: when after Ulysses Grant signs it as a national park in 1872 like for the first you know, whatever 10 years they only get like 300 people go to the park a year it's like really low numbers of tourists that go there but they're all just like it's a free-for-all you just fucking <laughs> Yeah Oh, I brought my gun to shoot some bison while I'm here at the park
0: and <laughs> yeah, this land is mine yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, But the Hayden Valley, the Blackfoot Nation also asked for them to rename the Hayden Valley. Um, and the way that some of this goes through is like the local, st- the state, they'll appeal to them to try and get some more weight behind it mm-hmm. to go to the USGS. So they went to the Wyoming Board of Geographic Names, which sounds like a real fun time. Um, they voted seven to one, the name Remain. Because of, quote, Hayden's significant contributions to science, geology, and the survey of the greater Yellowstone area. So even these, like, states that they, you go into their welcome center and they're like, we have a proud Native American tradition. Uh, They're just like, this guy named and, like, pointed out there's a lot of different types of animals here. Like, why would you want to... Denigrate his, you know, right, right, uh, story by renaming a valley. Which don't, don't name a valley after me, please. I that's not an honor.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, even if you just read the Yellowstone Wikipedia, like it's all just like, here's uh, the all the cool stuff that Hayden did, and he he took two expeditions because the first one wasn't as successful, but man, he really wanted to make a great national park for all you people,
0: (laughs) yeah. It's it's insane to me. It w- the good thing, though, uh, not everyone back then was a piece of trash. Um, uh, most people were probably, but there's one guy like John Coulter uh, that I kind of enjoyed looking up. A mm-hmm. uh, portraitist that traveled throughout the Midwest and everything, and he did a lot of portraits and paintings of Native Americans and you know, cultural, like, dance or them just hunting or showing their, like, horsing skills. I saw on the Wikipedia page for him uh, that one of his paintings was in, like, the Watchmen HBO series. Oh, yeah? Uh, But he's... He advocated for... And this was, you know, what, 60, 70 years before it was even thought of as being a national park. But he would talk about like how there needs to be an area preserving the Native American, like keeping it safe for Native Americans to use. Yeah. So that was at least heartening uh, whenever reading through all of these other things where they were like, you know, w- we declared this a national park and uh, we saw some Native Americans coming here, so we're going to put a fort yeah. <laughs> right at the edge <laughs> and, and staff it with the army and just... Kill Native Americans that try to come into the park. I mean, oh, it's, it's not.
1: It's not. It's not really to kill Native Americans. I'm, I'm promised it's not to just kill them. Like we're we're. It's you know we're maintaining the park. We just decided to give let the army be the one that maintained the park because we hadn't developed like the National Forest Service yet. So like we just hired the army to do it. And of course, army needs a fort. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know how it goes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I forgot uh which tribe it was, but there was one tribe that was being chased out of Oregon yeah. and happened to like go through the park too. And this is like in the eighteen seventies. And it just it kind of shows in contrast the two outlooks of the societies. Um they were being chased, many of them have been killed already. There were about eight hundred of them trying to Yeah, they're being chased out
1: of the Northwest out of Washington state, they're fleeing to the East and they flee into the park after, and they've been having skirmishes with the cavalry and the army, this all the way into it as they get into the park.
0: And whenever they went through the park, which is, they only went through like a very small region. It's the One, Nez, they were able the, to... Nezpeer,
1: the Nez Perce people. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um, They were able to evade <clears throat> the the army, which is like pretty cool, uh, but they ran into like some tourists there, and the like chief had told people don't don't kill anyone, <clears throat> Jesus Christ, <laughs> um, you know don't harm anyone, uh, but you got eight hundred people and they're really pissed off. At being yeah. chased and there's so a bunch of young, there's a
1: bunch of young you know dudes oh, yeah. that are like pissed off because they've been being chased and killed and now they encounter some white people in Yellowstone who don't immediately tell them if they're uh soldiers or not or if they've seen soldiers in the area because they're fleeing the U.S. Army
0: <laughs> yeah so they take some hostages uh and I think kill two of them and like injure some of them
1: they they actually did not kill two of them they two of them get hit in the head but they don't die from their wounds so uh i i think there was a previous version of the story where they said that two of them were killed but that they actually none were killed they they there are two people that get hit in the head with head injuries but they do not die from those injuries
0: okay so even like these stories uh This is what I'm saying, it's so hard to find like accurate information, but they injure some people. And in my head, I try to think like, okay, what would I probably do? I would assume that the one you're pissed off, uh, you know, currently many pissed off people in the world. uh, So I can relate to that. Uh, but two, you're being chased by this group that is specifically targeting your people. So, and th- that's like you feel bad about that, mm-hmm. right? Like you kind you take that as the sacrifice of the people. Very community communal kind of atmosphere. So maybe you're thinking like, well, if I do this, maybe they'll feel the weight of it. And that's the thing with like the. Western like colonist kind of mindset is there is no connection <clears throat> to human life like it's, oh yeah well it's the, wild the origin how of this it is. the
1: origin of this story is that there is a treaty with the Nez Perce people and the United States government about them maintaining a certain you know amount of acreage in the air er- in like the area where they founded and having certain migratory privileges to come into the park but yet even though like it's written by the US government and the uh, <clears throat> the Nez Perce people uh, signed the agreement the US does not sign their side of the agreement even though they yeah. wrote it they don't ratify the agreement so even though the tribe is like under the has this understanding oh we negotiated a deal uh the, as far as the US government is concerned it's like oh cool we n- had you guys negotiate a deal but uh kind of we're just gonna have the army like chase you until you <laughs> leave the leave anywhere you are at and uh and or die whichever happens first
0: yeah so it's it's just the the callousness to life that is so shocking uh throughout this entire like story I don't know there's there's plenty of stories that you can look up where it's just... Um, you know, origin stories. There's, oh, from uh, a story perpetuated by William Clark of the Lewis and Clark expedition is one that persisted even in to like that uh, documentary that I was watching that is totally false yeah. <laughs> on a lot of the uh, cultural aspects of Yellowstone, saying that, Native Americans were fearful of the region, believing that evil spirits were in the uh, hot springs. They just and- spooked
1: by the geysers. They wouldn't. Native Americans never went to Yellowstone because they were so scared of geysers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was. This was the original like source seems to have come from William Clark, who never went
1: there. Yeah, he didn't even go through the area where the geysers were. They were went way north of Yellowstone.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 just ridiculous that like some of this stuff is perpetuated um almost by yellowstone itself yeah um just because it's i mean any any documentary too you look up where it's like shot at Yellowstone in the park ranger or whatever it's like you know, usually some white person telling you about all yeah. this stuff because it, it's not you, you, really... He, he
1: read all the brochures from, like, the 60s and 70s that were all a bunch of bogus information and just memorized them, and he's been regurgitating it for the last 30 years.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just really ridiculous how skewed the history of this region is. Um, and then, of course, you had, like, the park development itself uh, in, like, 1915... They had a thousand automobiles a year entering the park and they were coming into conflict with horses and horse-drawn transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just prohibited like horse travel. Yeah. Well, they're just, it's, <laughs> it's a progressive just, place. <laughs> yeah. it It's, it just shows the, it's a very American place it feels.
1: Yeah. And, well, and just the, uh. It's a weird, and the Smithsonian article that we read does a really good job of talking about it. They're specifically talking to an archaeologist named uh, Douglas McDonald, who's from Maine, and like he originally wanted to be like in finance until he got like the archaeology bug in college, and uh, ever since his his main focus has been Native American archaeology and specifically Yellowstone. But what makes Yellowstone such a great archaeological site? Is partially because it is a protected national park and uh, they kind of don't let anybody do anything there, even the natives. So all of these like if you go and you dig six inches down on the beach of the lake, you're going to find Dozens, hundreds of artifacts from, you know, 500 to 11,000 years ago just scattered amongst the beaches because that's where everyone like set up their teepees and where people like continuously lived for like 10,000 years. There's shards of obsidian. There's tools. There's just evidence all over the place. Fire pits. um, they they even like the stuff is pristine enough that they can do dna analysis on the blood that's on some of the tools to know exactly what that family ate that night from the from their fire pit and it's so obvious and it's so evident it's not like you got to uh you know have some crazy that happens and the ground splits open and all of a sudden you see 20 feet down there's like old artifacts there they're right there like if you just walk off the trail a little bit and dust a little dust off you're probably going to find some obsidian shards from where some native was sharpening a spear tip like they're right there they're all over the place so to make it one it's kind of bittersweet that The reason the archaeology is so abundant is partially because of the sort of cleansing of this whole area to prevent anyone from continuing to live there. So, cool, we have the archaeology. Sad, the reason why we have the archaeology. But then part two, that for the archaeology to be so obvious, like to even novices who come in with like a little brush and just dust down a little bit and can find artifacts— for it to be so blatantly obvious <laughs> to then just pretend that it never happened. It's kind of crazy. Is like another just unfathomable thing on top of it all. Like, uh, just, yeah. I mean, obviously there's arrowheads and spearheads everywhere, but no one ever came to Yellowstone. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And it's funny too. I'm sure the perspective for some of the native American, uh, I don't know, like immigration from the region uh, can certainly be filtered through the lens of, well, they were moving to the Great Plains and near Oklahoma like 30, 40 years before this was a national park. So they d- weren't really removed from the park. <laughs> and then you just look up, what was the timeline for the Trail of Tears? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. they they were being cleansed from the region so it's again the Americans perspective where it's very short timelines like well you know who was it uh I can't remember her name was it Joyanne Reed who was like Biden shouldn't be judged on things he did 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> um, We've all learned. Like, We've all learned from it. Yeah. Let's just forget it. <laughs> so you can see how people can rationalize these things. Another good line in the uh the Res Dogs show, there's like two old white people driving and they see a billboard that somebody had spray painted on it land back. And it's like just a perfect, like, I've heard this conversation before in a diner of what do you they want all of the land back I can understand if they want some of it back but I don't think all of it back (laughs) like well the U.S. did do a lot of you know terrible things yeah but they've got casinos (laughs) it's it's like that's certainly kind of a perspective with the region too I'm sure yeah Um, not that I've been there
1: the The other wild historical fact for me, and this is like the last of my research list, was so, you know, you have Lewis and Clark, they bypass the park, but they do hear about a lot of rumors from, you know, native people that they interact with about this land of smoke and this land of fire and this land of hot pools and this land of bubbling mud and you know all the different terminology that the natives have given it and they're all kind of like (laughs) 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 crazy native myths (laughs) and so they go back and like no one believes them and then you have a couple like mountain men you know like pre-civil war that, you know, they go in there like examining the area. Some of them are like, you know, uh, half native, half white types that have that are like scouts and things that go and they come back and they tell people, "Oh my god, I found a place where it's like the water's on fire and there's these things that shoot up out of the ground." And everyone's like, "Yeah, but you also drink the whole time you're out in the wilderness, so <laughs> doubt doubt that's real." <laughs> then you have the like Civil War happen and everyone's still like, "Yeah, I don't... we heard from like uh, some Native American scouts that this is like a real place, but psh. No one's ever really seen it like a white person, not not a white person we trust <laughs> has ever proved its existence. But then, you know, 1870 comes around and finally we're like get some sketches from like a legitimate a person that's like, oh, wait a second this guy, he's like a legit sketch artist, and he sketched some stuff that all these other people are saying, and now all of a sudden, let's make it a national park. This is like the gem of the United States. I know for like the past 50 years, we've been denying its its existence altogether because we think that the natives are a bunch of idiots and all of these mountain men are a bunch of drunken lunatics. But now, now all of a sudden, it's so pristine and important to us that we want to annihilate all living humans that would w- possibly want to enter and trespass on the area. <laughs> like, we had, we didn't even give a fuck about it. <laughs> and then, like, in the span of five years, we we're like, oh, my God, it's the most important thing. Let's kill everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous, too. Like, I was reading up on why, or, you know, the founding of Yellowstone, uh, and it mentions that Yosemite had been... Established and then handed over to California for control, mm-hmm. um, but they said that the mismanagement of Yosemite uh, led them to maintain federal control of Yellowstone. And I'm just wondering, like, what what was the mismanagement? Um, they started allowing really?
1: logging. <laughs> they didn't. They is didn't. It? They didn't
0: kill off the natives fast
1: enough. I <laughs> California don't know what... wasn't doing a good enough job. They didn't have a big enough state army to murder all the natives, so they were like, "Well, we got to call in the the national level."
0: <laughs> Probably just just some haters. Um, but that was the other funny thing is like Yellowstone. Uh, anywhere you look, oldest national park in the world um but like okay you invented kind of like kind of a in, term yeah. for it and yeah <laughs>
1: we had to wait for a, like a democratically elected government that had existed for like 90 years and had like representation from enough people in a in a republic to then make a law that said that this ground is now protected by a federal government that has only existed you know less than a century and now we have the right to tell all of the people that have lived there for you know <laughs> tens of thousands of years <laughs> that they're no longer allowed to step foot on it.
0: Well you can't have a nationally protected park unless you also have smaller jurisdictions that have equal power to you nearly right um, and then you can overrule them. Because uh, the Tobago Main Ridge Forest Reserve was established in 1776. Interesting year for America. <laughs> and then uh, in Mongolia, this mountain range, uh, Bogd Bog, Khan Ul Mountain, uh, 1778, also legally protected. So it's, you know, that's a hundred years before Yellowstone. Right. So it's just, it's very ridiculous there it's funny though looking it up because then you have like well there's other legally protected regions uh like in england where they protected this area so that the royal family could go hunt (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay
1: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i i there was like a you know they had tried to uh you know, Niagara Falls, like everyone obviously knew not what Niagara Falls was very early on in like colonial American history. And um, that was another impetus for Yellowstone was how uh, it, it's funny reading back on some of that stuff, because like the people who are the uh, progressive national naturalists of the time. You know, they're railing against capitalism destroying, <laughs> destroying like what was a beautiful, like pristine nature place, but now it's just a bunch of like grifts going on all around the waterfalls and casinos and uh, people selling trinkets that aren't real and, and, uh, you know, fucking people preying on tourists and everything. And they don't want that to happen to Yellowstone. So they, that was the other impetus for making it a national park. Don't let, uh, what happened to Niagara Falls? Happened to Yellowstone, where it just became this gross commercial product that we all find sickening now. In the 1850s, where we're just like, oh, I can't believe <laughs> this is just a tourist place for capitalism, where they just sell T-shirts. Like, it's there's articles that spe- that basically describe it like that. Like, I can't believe capitalism ruined <laughs> ruined Niagara Falls, and it's only 1850.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if you ask Justin, capitalism didn't exist yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that reminds me. Of my biology professor, a uh, freshman year, he had like a little flute thing that he brought in one day. That he bought in like uh, I don't know somewhere in South America. This guy was like, "Yeah, this is a native, you know, ancient kind of flute. Um, this is like the exact type that." They used hundreds, hundreds, thousands of years, uh, you know, very close to like the region and everything. So it's all I'll give it to you for two hundred dollars. And he's like, this isn't ancient at all. And The guy's like, yes, it is. He's like, fine, don't buy it if you don't want it. He's Mm -hmm. like, there's a rhino on this. Rhinos aren't from South (laughs) America. And the guy's like, all right, two bucks. (laughs) (laughs)
1: oh yeah it's like the dude holding the piece of pvc pipes in the leprechaun video saying this is a ancient celtic flute that's been passed down through my family for generations for leprechauns (laughs) 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 it's just a piece of pvc painted green with a hole drilled in
0: it (laughs) dude i halloween season is starting are we excited or what oh my
1: god i'm
0: excited it
1: was your sister working at spirit halloween again
0: no, not this year. She only worked there for three days last year. Oh. <laughs> so I don't think she's going back. Um, but, yeah, I saw at Lowe's they got the the full section out already. Nice. Um, Candy is at Ralph's. Yeah, we're ready. It's weird. I feel I've got such a conflicted feeling about Halloween because it's my mom's favorite holiday, and she would make us, like, decorate, um, like, the entire outside of the house. It was ridiculous. Like, we had some... Jehovah's Witnesses come up once uh, that I went to high school with and were like, um, you know, do you have the love of Jesus in your heart? And my mom was like, yes, we're Christians. And the person turned to our yard and goes, clearly. <laughs> 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 and then laughed. Never met a sarcastic Jehovah's Witness before or after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't like it for those reasons, but then I've, enjoyed it, uh, researching more of like the sort of, uh, Irish history side of things. So I'm excited. Get excited with me.
1: Well, it'll be Halloween soon enough. Anyway, that's all my Yellowstone stuff. You got, you got any other last parting shots or did we blow our whole load?
0: Yeah, we're done here. We're good.
1: Well, good job, Eric. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Bye.